Hey, everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Widener Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. It takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is an illusion and those you love will be the first to go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson-Zia has garnered great reviews in Evil Love and endorsed by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassidy, Forge Riley, and Manales. So grab your copy today for Goes Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com and over 30 podcast platforms, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, Apple Music, and more. Take the Mike Widener Show with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Follow the Mike Widener Show on Instagram and Twitter today. And for great gift ideas, 24-7 for family, friends, and loved ones, go to Amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, lots of great gifts, 24-7, 365, including family, friends, loved ones, and your lovely pets. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash Mia for great books like Missing, Once and Wrinkles, also T-shirts, pop sockets, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash me and Molson Zia. Check it out today. Also support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, along with PayPal and the MikeWidenerShow.com. Make sure you give generously today. We're here with a terrific lady who is a drummer for a Los Angeles-based band called Paradise Kitty, which is similar to Guns N' Roses. And she also played with Cockpit, also Femme Fatale, and um, quite a few as well, too. She's an amazing drummer, and um, she's been compared to uh, numerous as well in the industry. And not only that, she's also worked in the music industry for a number of years, and uh, she'll talk more about that. And live, ladies and gentlemen, from Plus Studios in beautiful downtown Los Angeles, the amazing drummer of Paradise Kitty, Rachel Ryan. Rachel, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you on board as well, too. So you're the drummer of Paradise Kitty, which is similar to Guns N' Roses, which is certainly amazing and perfect, by the way, for you cat lovers out there. And um, you also play with Cockpit, Femme Fatale, and quite a few more. You also worked in the music industry for a number of years, along with some drumming and just great stories to tell. We'll talk about those. And um, before we get into all that, Rachel, Tell us how I first got started. Um, well, I mean, first got started as a musician. I think it's really something that you're born into that, you know, lives deep inside your veins and in your soul. So it's just when you decide to answer the calling. Uh, my One of my earlier memories was um, of fighting with my brother over the stereo because <laughs> he wanted to look at Star Wars storybook adventures. And my dad had this tape that I was obsessed with. And it had like green paint or something on one side that had splashed on it. And so I knew that if I put it in the tape deck and I could see the green paint and I knew how to hit rewind and play, those were the only two buttons I knew that <laughs> I, would, I, I would rewind and I would hit play because it had to start with my song. Now, I was probably three and a half. 
and I, I remember this memory and I put my song in, I'd hit rewind and I'd hit play. And it was uh, the Beatles white album. And it had to start with back in the USSR. That was Oh my, my gosh. Wow. I love oh. that album. <laughs> I had to hear the airplane coming in them. No, 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 no. And to this day, that song just puts the biggest smile on my soul. Cause that's my first memory of falling in love with music. And, wow. you know, I would, I would play the album and I would go sit in front of the speakers and just put my head in the speakers and just listen. And that was, you know, that to me was playing, was just sitting and listening. So, um, you know, so that's basically, I guess I got started young. I had parents that listened to good music and it just, you know, my brother wanted to listen to Star Wars and I had to listen to the Beatles. And that was my, that was it. <laughs> so. well, I was going to say, I think you could have done like a, a Star Wars fight with the, um, the Jedi swords and, um, you know, have like uh, Ringo's uh, sticks or something, or maybe Paul's guitar. And then you could have Darth Vader say, Paul is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, at three, four years old, I would then also listen to um, I Love Rock and Roll from Joan Jett. Mm -hmm. And I would dance on the coffee table and I'd get in trouble for it because, you know, you're three, four years old. You shouldn't be standing on a coffee table. You could fall. And, and I'd wait till nobody was looking and I put Joan Jett on and I jump on the coffee table and walk out. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, being a musician isn't just something you do. It's a part of who you are. And, and I think that that's just like innate in you or it's not. So. Mm -hmm. And also you talked about music as well, too. I was going to ask you, what was that precise moment? But, you know, besides jumping on coffee tables and dancing and also listening to the White Album at, at three and a half um, years old, how'd you first get involved with um, drumming, which is uh, rather amazing you're doing? Well, drums were everything in my life was music except for my career choice. And um, I at the time, I mean, I started college when I was 15. I started young. I just oh, wow done with it and get out of there and get out of my small town and do other things but I didn't know what I really wanted to be or what I wanted to do I just knew I wanted out and I wanted bigger and better and different and um music was always everything except for that mm. and um you know by the time I finished high school I was in high school and college simultaneously and by the time I finished high school with a year and a half, almost two years of a full-time college student already done. Um, I took a semester off because I just kind of really burned myself out. And in that semester, I had a dream that I was on stage playing drums one night. Huh. And, and I always loved the drums. And my best friend and I would joke about getting instruments and starting to play, but we never actually did it. And, um, you know, in our little town, it just, these things weren't as accessible, you know? And um, so I had this dream that I was on stage playing one night and she had us that we were playing together, like in this arena. And I remember looking over on stage and we saw each other and we were like, wow, we did it. <laughs> and um, I woke up to the phone ringing and it was her. And she was like, oh my God, I had the craziest dream. And I was like, I just had the craziest dream. And we both <laughs> had very similar dreams the same night. And we took it as a sign. And during that time off, I was, I grew up in New Mexico, but I was visiting family in Annapolis, Maryland, just for something different to get a new perspective on life. And um, I literally that day booked my flights home for a week later. And we found this little teeny tiny apartment in Santa Fe where someone told us that we could make a lot of noise. And um, right off Canyon Road in the middle of all the galleries and and we literally lived in this small studio apartment, the two of us. We bought bunk beds so a drum kit could fit in there. Oh, my and gosh. I was 18 at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, I never went back to college. <laughs> My break turned into, I'm going to be a musician. <laughs> I started a little later than, than a lot of kids, but you know, we all have our own strange. I started some things later. I started other things much earlier. So. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a really amazing story. And uh, who are your, your favorite drummers uh, growing up? Um, well, I mean, one of my largest drum influences, you know, I thought Tommy Lee was like the coolest thing since sliced bread, but the person that really influenced me the most was Randy Castillo Mm, and Randy, I'm not sure if you, how well, you know who he, he was or, but, um, he played with Ozzy. He used to play with Lita Ford. He played with the motels. He, he did a number of things most known for his time in Ozzy. And when Tommy Lee left Motley Crue, he replaced him in Motley Crue, but Randy was, you know, I grew up in a small town in New Mexico and Randy grew up an hour up the road. So, so he really influenced me even long before I played drums, because, you know, in a small town, people tell you like, you can't do that. You're from here. What what makes you think you could like do that or do this, or, you know, you, you kind of got this sense that you were um, limited by your environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember being in the fifth grade and our teacher was talking to us about thinking about colleges one day. And, and um, I remember thinking to myself, well, that guy from Albuquerque plays with Ozzy. And if he could do that, why can't I go to college out of state? Why can't I do things beyond this hundred mile radius? You know? So he, he really influenced me a lot. And when I moved to LA, we became friends. Nice. And, um, he was just such a gem of a human and he really looked after me. He'd like find me at the rainbow or some party in the hills or a show or, you know, whatever, where everyone was hanging out at, we'd run into each other a lot. And he'd come up to me and be like, Hey, Rachel, did you play your drums today? I'd be like, no, not, not today, Randy. He'd be like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Hey, Rachel, did you play your drums yesterday? <laughs> no, no, I was really busy yesterday. And he'd be like, oh. He'd start yelling at me in Spanish. And he'd grab me by my shirt, by my collar, and he'd throw me out. And he'd be like, he'd be like, I don't want to see you unless you've practiced. You have no right being here and hanging out with all of us unless you've done what you came to do. So don't get caught in the LA spin. Do your job. Make me proud. Go home and practice. I don't want to see you out at a party unless you've practiced that day. Mm. And that's I cool. like that. I like that. That is so amazing. Since uh, we also run that subject too, and uh, feels to be one of your influences. How about your thoughts on Ringo Starr? What do you um, place him like in your uh, top 10 drummers and all that? Ringo makes really interesting choices. And I love that. You know, I, I love, he, he does things that, that you wouldn't, I was having this conversation like probably about a month ago with the drummer, Kenny Aronoff. Oh yes, that's with, right. John Cougar Bellencamp. He was excellent. Yeah. Yeah, there was some some Beatles song in the background and and uh, Kenny's like, I would have never thought to go there. And I was like, I wouldn't have either. That wasn't that wouldn't have been where my feel went. So he, he I love that he made interesting, different choices than than most guys or girls would have made. So mm-hmm. and it's rather interesting as well, too. And uh, how about some of my other favorite singers, songwriters and musicians growing up? Um. Well, I was raised on 60s and 70s rock from my parents. And then, you know, I, I came about at the very like dying end of all the hard rock stuff in the 80s. And I just, I'm a rock and roll girl. I love rock and roll, but my ears are open. I mean, I sometimes listen to the classical station. I love, you know, 
I love anything that's different that that is outside of the box. I also love a great hook. I love a straight rock and roll song. It's just I love music. So it's it's all available to me. I don't have to only like shades of red, mm -hmm. you know. So mm -hmm. although I may have had my blue phase, I also <laughs> <laughs> I dabble with other colors. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that is something. You also worked in the music industry for a bit. And, of course, drummer Paradise Kitty, Cockpit, Femme Fatale, and more. We'll talk about those in just one minute. But first, listen to the Mike Wagner Show at themikewagnershow.com, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. It's 1-800-303-3960 or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention the Mike Wagner Show, get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give official shout out to our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia. Available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is an illusion and those you love will be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson-Zia has garnered great reviews and even loved and endorsed by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, and many others. So grab your copy today for girls Missing by Mia Molson-Zia. Available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com and over 30 podcast platforms. Take us with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter today. And for great gift ideas, go to amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to amazon.com slash Mia for great books and merchandise and more. Amazon.com slash Mia Also, don't forget to uh, support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM. PayPal and the Mike show.com. Make sure you give generously today. We're here with the drummer Paradise Kitty and also um, worked in the music industry and just an amazing lady, Rachel Ryan, here on the Mike Wagner Show. And um, before we talk about your uh, Paradise Kitty, also playing with Cockpit and Femme Fatale, you've been in the music industry for uh, quite some time and um, tell us more about it. And I love hearing your stories about the industry in case anybody wants to get in it. Um, well, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I felt like um, I wanted to know the business that I wanted to be in. And I thought that was the smart thing to do. So my very first job here was working at Cherokee Recording Studios, um, which is an old legendary studio, like part of Bowie's Changes was recorded there. The Beatles recorded there, all the early Steely Dan albums. You know, it, it, a lot of stuff happened in those walls. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Cherokee was a rogue it was a it was a pirate ship and we had oh my gosh it was it was pretty wild the, the time there anyone that ever worked at Cherokee studios you know there's you, you come across people they're like you worked at Cherokee I worked there it like shaped my life so I really only officially worked there for about six months because a lot of times we didn't get paid and <laughs> oh my gosh it was, it was it was a pirate ship so but um <laughs> you know at the same time you know if I needed a tire changed, I'd call the kids I worked with the Cherokee and they'd come change my tire. Like, you know, we were all in it together. And, um, you know, some of the, the things that went on to influence my career the most came from my time at Cherokee. Huh. So um, it, it was interesting. It was lovely. That's how it started. And then I went on to indie record labels, management companies, booking agencies, uh, major record labels, did, did my time there, um, worked in marketing, um, 
rebuilt and managed other recording studios. Um, I kind of did a little bit of everything. And as a musician, I've always done both, you know, so I've always, you know, managed to find later on jobs that afforded me the flexibility to do both and to still tour. And, and it's, I kind of enjoy doing both. It's a lot of fun for me. Very interesting. What was the most challenging project you've ever done in the music industry? Ooh, the mo so on, on the business side? Uh, yes. <sighs> Trying to be a musician at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back in my days of, you know, being like Jimmy Iovine's assistant, who's one of the, most powerful man in the music industry, basically. Um, I was at my desk for 70 hours a week, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I would, at the time I was cockpit was my band and we'd rehearsed three nights a week. So, you know, I remember them sitting in a rehearsal room, deep in Van Nuys, waiting for me to turn up for hours. Cause I never knew when I'd get to leave and me turning up just exhausted on, on no sleep, like years of no sleep and turning up and like, running through a song and falling asleep between songs and waking up and playing song, falling asleep between songs, you know. I think it makes a great act right there too. It's like, you know, you do your thing, go to sleep, do your thing, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> like call the band narcolepsy or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Or, or uh, apnea or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nap time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, just really like finding the um, like, whatever being a musician it's 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 not this like maybe some people from the outside think it's like all big parties and lots of money and all these it's you have to really love what you do because mm -hmm. it's quite oftentimes unrewarding so you have to really love what you do and and you make a lot of sacrifices in life to do that whether you're sacrificing you know, as a kid riding your bike with friends on a Saturday or sitting in your bedroom playing guitar, you know, like you have to practice, you have to work, you spend a lot of time alone working on things, you have to be able to work with other people in an intimate setting that aren't an intimate partner, you know, so like, it's, it's just, you know, like being in a band, it's like being married to three, four or five other people, you know. Hmm. sounds like Fleetwood Mac it's like they change partners all the time and then you got the the starship it's like you know Grace Slick has been with just about every guy except for uh Marty Ballin I've heard the story which like that that was the only time they didn't get along so I know how that goes so yeah well I mean Fleetwood Mac and and uh you know Jefferson Airplane Jefferson Starship they, they all crossed those boundaries so they had makeup sex we did it <laughs> so when there's a fight you got to figure out how to fix it <laughs> There's, there's no like throwing it to the wind oh exactly what was like the funniest story you ever, you ever uh, been involved with in the music industry like maybe uh, with a, with a band a client or you know just like a funny moment that you just remember you just like to you know, well, share it, with everybody it, it it's it's not really um this one's not really i guess mistaken identities were, were pretty funny like i when i was working for jimmy this guy kept calling and it just it was out of context at the time oh wow and he kept calling and he kept calling and i was like this name's familiar, but who is this guy? You know, this guy, Steve keeps calling and keeps calling. And so one day I asked the other assistant, he called, I talked to him on the phone a dozen times in a couple of days. And I asked the other assistant, I was like, who does this guy manage? Like, who, who's he affiliated with? What agency, what, what deal is this Jimmy's doing? Cause I can't, I mean, it, my mind is totally escaping me. Who is Steve Jobs? Oh, and she looked at me. <laughs> she was like Rachel, and I was like, 
I know I know who this guy is, but I can't point. I can't. I can't compartmentalize which band he's affiliated with. And she was like, "He's affiliated with the band." This is before iPhones. She pulled out her Apple laptop, and she was like, "He's affiliated with." I was like, "Oh, that Steve Jobs." Got it. Okay, well, maybe I should have said Jimmy will come to him this weekend instead of making him come to LA. <laughs> oh my gosh. But they were actually doing the this deal with um, iTunes at the time that made iTunes the premier music service online. And, mm-hmm. and there was a really smart deal that Jimmy did at the time that basically helped stop, um, not stop, but help temper illegal downloads and like kind of change the way we listen to music. So it was, that was, I was in during that and that was interesting. Um, another fun mistaken identity was um, my buddy Kenny Aronoff, our old friends, and he had invited me down to the studio after work. And he'd invite me down randomly here and there. He'd be like, you know, when you're done at your desk, swing by, you should hear what I'm tracking. I'll teach you how I write out, chart out songs, whatever. You should come listen to this or the producer wants to say hi to you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, two days before that, he was in the same exact room at the same studio with like Leanne Rhymes and... Um, God, who was the producing that? Like Desmond Child or something. I don't wow. Know. So, but he invited me down. He's like, hey, come stop by AM on your way home. It's it's close to your house. Just come swing by for a minute. You should hear this. Okay. So when I turned up, they were all in one of the little lounges eating dinner. They were on their dinner break. And sometimes if you roll into a session with all those session guys, the artist isn't even there. You know, it's just all the session cats and the studio kids. And, you know, they're just tracking. They don't even meet the artists or they aren't in the session. So I turned up and there's a crew of guys, you know, all packed into the little room at the Jim Henson, the, the, you know, old A&M studios. And, um, and basically uh, in this little tiny room, there was a fish tank, a really big fish tank with like tropical fish in it. And it's the little private lounge for that one studio and they're eating dinner. And, um, you know, I kind of say hi to everyone. He introduced me like Jim, Bob, Frank, it's my buddy, Rachel from, you know, whatever label I was at at the time, have a seat. And so I sit next to this older gentleman that he, he just reminded me of St. Nicholas <laughs> on and a big belly and white hair and a white beard. And he just this big beaming smile. And so I sat next to him and, and he kept offering me his, his dinner. I was like, I really just ate. I'm good. And, and he talked a lot about the fish tank in this. Huh. Little, I mean, he knew a lot about the fish. He knew mm. what type of fish used to be in that tank in the seventies. He knew how you breed the fish, what you feed the fish. Like he, he had a lot of information about these fish and some of the older recording studios I know from my days at Cherokee, they have their guys that have been like manning, servicing and working at their studio or been like their piano tuner for 20, 30, 40 years. So I thought that this guy was the fish tank guy. And- <laughs> And so I thought he was the guy that, that, that cleaned the fish tanks and all the session guys knew him because they've been at the studio for 20 years working there and they're all just having dinner together on their break. No big deal. So we joke around and finish his dinner and, and the guy was like, it's dessert time. And he was like, you have to break bread with us. Will you please share my tiramisu with me? And I was like, sure, we'll share dessert. So, mm. you know, then they're getting ready to go back into the session. And I went to use the ladies room. And when I came out of the ladies room, the producer, John Shanks, came out of the studio to get something. And um, he stopped me in the hallway and was like, Rach, it's been a while. How you doing? What are you working on? He was like, you know, what do you think of Joe Cocker? And I said, great artist. He was like, really cool guy, right? And I was like, I don't know. I've never met him. He's like, huh. he his dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I thought 
thought he was the fish tank guy. <laughs> I was like, I'm so ashamed of you. You should have known what he looked like. And oh, no. I don't know what he looks like now. You know, like <laughs> when I think Joe Cocker in my head, I think of my parents' album of him singing live on the record. And like, you know, so, um, so I like, he was just like, Rachel, he's like, but yeah, he did talk a lot about the fish tank. I could see why you thought he was the fish tank. Uh, guy. <laughs> and, and of course, about that term, me too. You are so beautiful. <sighs> to me <laughs> um so he was like well, why don't you come into the studio and listen to him sing so when we went into the studio it was no longer all the musicians on a dinner break all of a sudden like the wives were there and the manager and the business manager and the label person and it's like then everyone's there and they're all doing their weird little dance around the artist you know like that strange like you know it's like you know the king put the crown back on and here's his court entertaining oh yes i know how it is so you know but in in that little lounge it was just all the musicians who have been sweating together all day having dinner talking about life you know so um so you know we go into the studio and then it's everyone's like you know here like let let me open the door for you and like you know they're all like dancing around him doing doing the whole dance oh my gosh um, and so he goes into the live room and they hit hit record and the music starts playing and he throws his arms back and his belly out and he's like, ah, wailing. <laughs> and I was like, holy smokes, that's Joe Cocker. Wow. <laughs> I left and I called my parents and my mom was like, honey, I'm so ashamed of you. You should know better. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was really a lovely gentleman and he was very knowledgeable about the fish tanks. Oh my gosh. You know something? I'm glad he didn't eat the fish. You know, that's another thing. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I seriously thought he, I, like just in my head, I categorized him as this guy has taken, he's manned these fish tanks for decades. But, wow. That but, is something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And of course he also, you know, getting back in the music business as well to you play with them. Um, Cockpit, Femme Fatale, and a few others. And, um, you know, tell us about those bands. What was it like uh, playing for them? Um, Cockpit was a band that um, I started. And we were together for about 10 years. And it had different evolutions of the band. We worked really hard. We started our own label. It was, you know, and then it just after about 10 years, we, for a band on our own, in a time where nobody was touching rock, we did well. We did good. We we got some good miles under us. We played some big shows. We got some great national press. But you know, you, you reach a point where when you realize like some of your band members don't want to tour and you're a do-it-yourself original band, that there's you've kind of filled your shoes and the shoes aren't going to grow, mm-hmm. you know. So when that was done, it was done. Um, and then Femme Fatale, Lorraine is also from New Mexico, the singer. And she was rehashing the band as an all-girl band to play the Monsters of Rock cruise in 2013. And oh, at the time, yes. I was in London for a minute. So she called me and was like, can you come? Can you? I, I need your help. I need you to come help me do this. So I, um, I joined the band for a minute and helped her out. And, um, and then, you know, when it was time to move on from that, I moved on. And... Um, and then Paradise Kitty came about because my singer Jenna and I, uh, I didn't know her at the time, but a mutual friend called both of us and, and you know, Paradise Kitty is a Guns N' Roses tribute band. So all we play is Guns N' Roses. Okay. And okay. I knew at the time that the Guns N' Roses reunion was going to happen and that it was going to be huge. And um, a mutual friend randomly called and said, do you want to do an all-girl Guns N' Roses tribute? And um I was like, I thought about it and I was like, those are great songs. They're fun to play. 
it's a great time for it. People are going to love it. So I said, I'll do it, but I won't do it if it's campy. I won't do it if we have our guitars wear a wig and a top hat and we take on silly, stupid names. It's got to, it like, it can't be kitsch. It has to be authentic. All the girls have to really play their instruments. They have to cop the right feel and vibe. And um, I'm not going out there. Like, I don't want us like copying their speeches and I just want us to play as us just happen to be playing their songs. Mm-hmm. And um, we did. And, you know, so now it's it's basically Jenna and I, and we hire the other girls depending on who's available because we use have a nice bevy of girls. And um, and we've done some cool, fun stuff. We've played, I think like five of the Monsters of Rock cruises. We just wow. did the Chris Jericho Fozzie cruise. We just played the Monsters on the Mountain Festival. We've headlined a tour of Australia. We're in discussions right now about going to India. Um, you know, we've we've done a six, what was like a six week tour with Faster Pussycat. We've We've done some, we've done some fun stuff. It's been a lot of fun. So. And, and, and it sounds like it too. Do you have any uh, albums that are about to be released? Uh, any material on Spotify or anything like that? No, because, you know, we're basically just playing Guns N' Roses. So we haven't okay. recorded that. I know some tribute bands are able to do that. Um, we've talked about it, but we'll have to see, you know, like obviously they aren't our songs and it's not our licensing. It's not our publishing. We would have to get permission to be able to do that. So at some point we may, but not mm-hmm. quite what do you think? What do you think Axel Rose would think about the idea? Well, when we first did this band, um, my, the other, other, uh, my other rule I had was basically, I will only do this if the Guns guys are cool with it. So, um, a friend of a, you know, his friend was buddies with Axel, and, and she had mentioned it to him, and his response was, eh? "This is before we had our first show. Like, if we didn't get the thumbs up from him." there was no doing this band. I wasn't going to waste time on rehearsals and learning songs if they didn't want us to do it and they could quickly put a pin in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so basically at first he was like, uh, do they think I sound like a girl? I don't sound like a girl. Why is a bunch of girls trying to cover us? And um, so we literally had two rehearsals and one of them was auditioning girls and everyone had to do their homework. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. It was like appetite front to back, two rehearsals, one of them audition girls, you know, the next group rehearsal was like, all right, we're playing their entire first album front to back out in the desert just to see if this boat's going to float. Let's just get a feel for it before we all invest a lot of time and money. And we played that one gig and um, fans, like people in the audience videotaped it and must have posted it. It somehow made its way to Axel and you know, we booked a second show to just give it another shot. And um, he started tweeting about us, giving us a thumbs up. So, you know, Slash will wear our t-shirts on stage. He's supportive. Like they all think it's great and cool. And like Dizzy Reed will sit in and play with us and Slash's band members from his other band will come and play with us. And, you know, they, we have their full support. So it's really great. That is amazing. Where can we find more information on Paradise Kitty? Um, if you go where on all the social medias, it's all under Paradise Kitty Band. So you could you could find us there. and that's where we post most about shows and tours and stuff like that. That's so amazing too. And um, what's coming up for uh, Rachel Ryan uh, in 2022? We'll find out just one minute. You listen to the Mike Widener show at the Mike show.com powered by SoundWeb studios. Visit online at soundquebstudios.com for all your needs. Also brought to you by official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Mostazia Missing, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. We'll be back with the amazing multi-talented drummer of Paradise Kitty, Rachel Ryan, after this timeout. 
We're back with drummer Rachel Wine of Paradise Kitty and veteran in the music industry here on the Mike Wagner Show. And Rachel, just a great story and uh, really got to know you and just a lot of great stories. And I'll just pass them on. It's so amazing. And um, what can we expect from you in 2022 and beyond, especially with you and uh, Paradise Kitty? That is uh, that is the question. <laughs> you know, it's this whole COVID time has been so strange that, you know, I think everyone on the planet's plans got derailed. And, um, you know, we just started getting out and touring again. And, um, you know, obviously there'll definitely be more tours. There'll be more festivals. There'll be more tour dates. Um, for me personally, I, I've been making some job shifts for my industry stuff. So I, I left Monster Energy a couple months ago where I was doing music marketing for a while. And I have a couple, I, I have a new really cool project in the works, but I'm not allowed to talk about it quite yet. That's fine. Um, yeah, I don't think we can make all your listeners sign a non-disclosure. So <laughs> that for a minute, but um, you'll be hearing more about that come springtime and probably by summer, definitely there'll be press releases on it. Um, so yeah, just, just kind of, you know, navigating this strange time. I'm taking the last month of this year to like organize my life before I jump into this new project. And um, just, you know, I, I really, through this whole time, I've just thrown my hands up and been like, okay, let's just swim with the current instead of against it. So it, that really takes a bit of surrender when you're used to being the one that is the town planner. So I've been learning to surrender. So in 2022, you're gonna feel a lot more surrender for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, de definitely will. And of course, it's perfect as well, too. And uh, who do you consider biggest influence in your career? My dad. Yeah, he uh, he's no longer with us. But but when he was exiting this lovely planet, he gave me some really good advice and some good props about following my heart. And I think whether it be business, music, relationships, which song to listen to really that is your guide and that's your answer and um i think that that he really just uh helped me decide to well just help me realize that that's where i need to listen more mm -hmm. and um so that's a pretty big influence in everything i do really and that's a really good one as well and what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point um listen to your heart same thing that's like everyone's road is different and, and to find your path on, on whatever your road is, just, you really have to listen to your gut and listen to your intuition. And, um, and that puts you exactly where you need to be. And that's very important as well, too. We're here with a uh, drummer and music veteran industry um, leader, Rachel Ryan here on the Mike Widener show of Paradise Kitty. Rachel, very big. Thank you for your time. You've been absolutely terrific. Love hearing your stories. Looking forward to having you in soon. Do us a favor. Keep yourself up to date. Love you back in 2022 and beyond. Don't forget to keep in touch. Once again, tell us about your upcoming projects. What's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people um, simply or purchase or simply just check out your works? Um, so Paradise Kitty Band is our website and that will link you to all of our social media and from there you could you could contact us and whatever your needs may be all of our shows will be posted or you could also find my personal socials through there rachel ryan and um yeah come connect we certainly do so once again rachel very big thank you for your time you've been totally amazing looking forward to having you again soon make sure you keep us up to date keep in touch and we're definitely looking forward to having you on soon we wish you all the best you've got a great future ahead of you Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.